All right, so what I'm trying to do in this lesson is just explain one main concept that I feel like has really helped me not necessarily understand Daniel, but at least understand what it takes to understand Daniel. Um, so I've chosen here the word challenging, why Daniel is challenging, as opposed to some other words I could have chosen, like difficult, that would be true, or complicated, or even confusing. Why do you think I chose the word challenging instead of those words? Yeah, because we like a challenge. Yeah. I'm tr- Challenges can be a good thing. And God doesn't give Daniel to us to confuse us. God doesn't, isn't trying to be difficult. He does give us Daniel to challenge us. And so we want to remember that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So we want to embrace the challenge of Daniel. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And so we want to hear the shepherd's voice in the word leading us, even when it's challenging. So this morning, I want to touch on one reason why it's challenging. I want to focus on another reason. There could be like 20 more points, um, but I just want to hit two this morning. So first of all, what, um, what type of literature is Daniel? So if you think about, like, think about the book of Romans and think about the Psalms, and think about First Kings. Those are pretty different books, right? And then add Daniel to that. So Romans is this letter, this direct teaching, and Psalms is this poetry and this hymn book, and First Kings is this account of some of God's works in Israel's history. And Daniel is what? Well, it's a mixture, right? It's got two pretty different parts. And the first part of, the, the first part of Daniel, most of it is more like a historical account of a few of the things that happened. Um, but then the second part of the book, in chapter 2, we have these dreams and visions about the future and especially about the end of human history. And this type of literature is sometimes described with the word apocalyptic. Let's go, and best to call it biblical apocalyptic as opposed to just the genre out there in the world. Here's a kind of a simple explanation of it. Biblical apocalyptic is a revelation of the ending of this present age, which is an age characterized by conflict and its replacement by the final age of peace. It shows us ahead of time the end of the kingdoms of this world and their replacement by the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. This revelation is unfolded in complex and mysterious imagery and has the purpose of comforting and exhorting the faithful. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is actually in the next quote that we'll put up here. Apocalyptic is a metaphor-rich genre. In this regard, it is like poetry. Metaphors and similes teach by analogy. They throw light on difficult concepts and things 
by relating them to something we know from common experience. So, in Daniel 7, the world will be like a what? As Daniel 7 begins, he says the world will be like a, a sea, a turbulent sea. And one kingdom will be like a bear, and another kingdom will be like a leopard, and one ruler will be like a little horn. By the way, just ignore your handout right now. Don't try to figure out what I'm, how what I'm saying relates to that. One kingdom like a leopard, one ruler like a little horn. So you can see why this can be challenging, right? What does it mean to say that a kingdom is like a bear? Well, it could mean a bunch of things, right? So it's a very figurative kind of writing that uses lots of analogies and lots of illustrations. This is like this. And sometimes that just doesn't answer all the questions that we'd like to have answered. But do you think God was wise in that? even in not answering all the questions we wish he would have answered. We want some like simple statements of fact. God wants to give us pictures in Daniel. Not that there aren't some moments where there are statements of fact that are like teaching, but a lot of it is pictures. All right. So that's the first thing to just, I mean, I know that's super simple, but to understand when you're reading Daniel, you're not reading Romans. It's not that kind of literature. Daniel is this is like this. This is, and, and he even says it looked kind of like, right? He's not even saying this kingdom is a bear. He's just saying, I saw this thing that looked like a bear and God told me it represented a kingdom. So it's very visual, very metaphorical. And that is one of the reasons why Daniel is challenging, but it's also exactly what God wanted. All right. Any questions about that? Okay. Now, for the bulk of the time today, then, I want to talk about um, uh, this concept that helped Daniel become less blurry for me. And I want to use an example to start with. And what I'm going to do next could be humorous. I've never done anything like this before, actually. Don't put it on the screen yet. Um, And you might laugh at some of what I put up here, but that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm not trying to make light of what's going on in Daniel. I'm trying to use a separate illustration to help us grasp how the visions in Daniel work. You ready? You're not in trouble if you laugh, but remember, that's not my point. This isn't family fun night. I'm trying to illustrate Daniel. Okay, here we go. I had a dream. I saw something like a polar bear attacking a sea lion on a bright sunny day. Now, that's our first statement. So let's say that's Daniel chapter 2, for example. First part of Daniel chapter 2, and then we get an interpretation. Here's the interpretation. The ice flow that the brown sea lion was on represents Greenland, and the polar bear represents the evil ruler of Greenland. Okay? There's our interpretation. Now, okay, before we go to the next slide, talk to me about that interpretation a little bit in relationship to the first sentence. What do you you notice? Arthur. It's vague. Okay. You would want more detail in the interpretation. Okay, yes. What else? 
Yeah, a little un- it's a little unusual how it mixes there, huh? Oh, right. So in the interpretation, we have something that wasn't in, wasn't named at least in the description of the original dream. Oh, it didn't say he was brown in the first statement. That got added in the interpretation, didn't it? Okay, so next slide. Okay, so we have new information about this ice flow. We have expanded information that the sea lion was brown. And we have some interpretation that the ice flow represents Greenland and the polar bear represents this ruler of Greenland. Okay, now that that slide right there is actually a quite good picture of how something like Daniel chapter 2 or Daniel chapter 7 functions. You get vision, you get interpretation, but in the interpretation you also get some new information and some expanded information that you didn't have in the original recounting of the vision. Let's uh, carry on. Next slide. Did I leave a slide out? I did. I left out a whole sentence. Oh, well. Uh, So we're going to actually not use the next slide after this because I made a mistake in these slides. I had another dream. A sea lion escaped from a fast, angry polar bear when the sun was on the horizon. Okay, talk to me about that one. In relationship to the other two? Is there a relationship to the other two? Well, I I mean, I don't know. It starts with, I had another dream. It seems to have similar themes. Maybe there's a relationship to the other two. What else do you notice here? Time. Yeah, this gives us a little time indication, right? How does the time on this one relate to the time on the previous one? Later or, or earlier? It's either before or after the bright sunny day. One or the other. What else? What? Uh-huh. Fast, angry, polar bear, right? Okay, so, um, and I actually left out a sentence. I apologize for that. But still, I think these three illustrate what I'm trying to illustrate. So let me try to explain that here. Um, God gave Daniel dreams in which he pictured world emperors and rulers. Um, And unlike this, that was nothing made up because those world rulers came in the centuries after, right? So that's why there's no parallel between my made-up nonsense here and what God's doing in Daniel. But the thing that is a parallel is that what you just saw was information revealed in stages but about the same thing. You see what I'm saying? All three of our parts, so if we go back two slides, we have three parts here. The top, the bottom, and then forward two slides, we have that third statement. Three parts, but they're all about the same thing, right? We had a dream, an interpretation, and another dream, all about the same thing. But along the way, we got new information, expanded information, interpretations of some of the things. 
And we could take all that and try to package it all together, right? Like right now I could say, okay, I want you guys to take a pen and a piece of paper and I want you to put in a paragraph everything you just learned about this. And you could try to do that, right? Like compile it all together. So that is very much how Daniel works. The, the information comes in different vi- visions, dreams, interpretations. By and large, they're all about the same thing. But in each of them, we get new information, expanded information, interpretation. And really, to understand it, you kind of got to try to get the whole package put together. So now, take your hand out, and we're going to the big full side. All right, so we can just skip over the next slide and go to the blank slide. Yeah, thank you. All right, so on this handout, just look at the headings at the top for a minute. Nebuchadnezzar's dream from chapter 2. So the first two columns are from chapter 2, and then the next three columns are from chapter 7. Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2, Daniel's first vision in chapter 7. And the first thing to notice here is that there's more than one column for each chapter. So in chapter 2, we get information about the same thing twice because Daniel not only describes Nebuchadnezzar's dream, after that, he does what? He interprets it. So we get the same thing twice. But in the interpretation, we learn lots of things that we didn't learn from his first recounting of it. And then in chapter 7, we get information three times. Because Daniel describes his vision, and then when Daniel wants to ask for an interpretation, he describes it again. And the second time around, we learn some different things than we learned the first time. And then he gets this interpretation um, that God sends through this, this person that he sees. Okay? So does that make sense, how the chart works? And so really what you've got here on this paper is five times talking about the same thing, talking about the four kingdoms. So now look at the columns. So the numbers that go down the columns are the verse numbers in that chapter. So the first two columns are the verse numbers in chapter two, and the last three columns are the verse numbers in chapter seven. And I already filled in the far left column. So if you look down that column, you can see that as it goes down, it follows the four kingdoms. So can you see how the kind of like the dashed lines, the dotted lines separate the kingdoms? You have the head of fine gold. That's the first kingdom. Chest and arms of silver. That's the second kingdom. The middle and thighs of bronze. That's the third kingdom. The legs of iron. It's the fourth kingdom. And then the feet that seem to be connected to that same fourth kingdom, partly iron, partly clay. And then you have the stone cut out by no human hand. It strikes the image on its feet, breaks it to pieces, and then it becomes a great mountain, filled the whole earth. That's kind of like a fifth kingdom, God's kingdom. All right, does that all make sense so far? Okay, so as you go down the column, you see the kingdoms. As you go across, if you just follow the verse numbers and look up those verses, you learn about the kingdoms. Now, you see that there's not new information about the first three kingdoms in the second 
two parts of Daniel chapter 7, but there is about the other kingdoms. So let's uh, take an example and go across a row, okay? What example shall we take? How about the legs of iron? You ready? You got your Bible? So we already know that Daniel 2, verse 33, we already have this filled in. Daniel 2, 33, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So we're not worried about the feet right now, just the legs. Legs of iron. Where do we need to go next? Verse 40. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all these all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. Okay, that's the interpretation. Did that give us some new information there? So we could fill that in that box, right? And I'm probably not going to go slow enough for us to actually write all this in. But there in that box, by verse 40, you know, you could write, it's as strong as iron, it breaks, shatters, crushes all of these. Now, where do we need to go next? Chapter 7, verse 7, right? Chapter 7, verse 7. This is where Daniel's describing his vision. Daniel 7, verse 7. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful. Is that new? Terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. Is that new? Do we have teeth in chapter 2? No. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Okay, so if we were filling in that box there by verse 7, we got a lot to put in the box, right? It's terrifying. It's dreadful. It's exceedingly strong. It has great iron teeth. It devours. It breaks in pieces. It stamps what's left. It's different from all the other beasts. It has ten horns. Where do we need to go next? Chapter 7, verse 19. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying. Okay, is this new information? Not really, except for the word exceedingly, maybe. With its teeth of iron, is that new? And claws of bronze, is that new? Yes. And which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. 
and about the ten horns that were on its head. Okay, so most of that we've heard before, though the claws of bronze part is new. Where do we need to go next? Verse 23, right? Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. Is that new? Kind of. Earlier it said it would trample down the other kingdoms. Here it says it tramples the whole earth and breaks it to pieces. Okay, so now if we had taken the time to write all that in, we could go across this way and put together all that information we just got about the legs. And we just got a lot, didn't we? It's actually a lot to kind of put together there. So that is a, that's how Daniel works. It works just like that. You get visions, dreams, interpretations, sometimes repeated, and they're all about the same things in general, different parts of the same things. And you can get so turned around in your head trying to keep track of where did I learn what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here, here it says he has claws of bronze. Here it says he has teeth of iron. Here it says he tramples down the nations. And you kind of got to bring it all together. So can you see why Daniel's challenging? Just based on that example. Let's try one more example. Let's go to the very end, the very bottom so go back to Daniel chapter 2. No, sorry. Still on, the, still on this side, the bottom row of the, the big side. So chapter 2. So now we're going back to Daniel's description of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Daniel 2, verse 35. So verse 34 told us the stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. All right, where do we need to go next? Chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Was there new information there? Kind of. It's pretty similar to verse 35. So where do we need to go now? 713.
it was a little tricky to figure out how to put the verses here from this part of Daniel 7. But we'll start in verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So can you see how that's like the same thing as the stone kingdom, but it's also different? Because it's talking about it from the perspective of the king, the son of man at the Ancient of Days, the throne in chapter 7. And then we need to go to what verse 22 The Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Is that new? Oh boy, is that new. (laughs) We had a stone kingdom in chapter 2, and then we got a king in chapter 7, and now we find out that the saints possess the kingdom. That's really big new information about this kingdom. And then we've got to go down to chapter 7, verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Wow, that's really fascinating. So now, again, we've gotten this row across and we can put together the information that we learned about that final stage of the stone kingdom of God's kingdom. So, yeah, that's kind of how Daniel works. All right. Any questions about that part? Just that part. I have wondered about that word and been trying to poke around where that word's used. I don't know. The word dominions, does dominion suggest unseen things is one question. Another question is, does dominion connect back to Genesis and dominion mandate? And so I'm, I don't, I'm not settled on an answer myself yet. I haven't looked at it enough, but it's a great question. All right, so I'm sorry. So yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting phrase in verse 27, huh? Given to the people of the saints of the Most High. The reason why I'm teaching this lesson is to say, pray for the preacher. <laughs> um, because we have these passages still to come and study together. So yeah, that's a great question, Heidi Jean, um, that we will get to later um, in another sermon. All right, so here's the thing. This chart, if we were to actually do it for all of Daniel, would need to be more like wall-sized. Not eight and a half by 14 sized. For two reasons. One is because we've got to have more columns, right? So to show you what the more columns would need to be, flip to the back. Basically, we would need five more columns. Because in chapter 8, we have Daniel's second vision, and there's two parts to it. It's repeated. So there's the vision, and then there's the interpretation. 
And then in chapter 9, there's Daniel's third vision, and that's just kind of one vision with explanation kind of joined together. So that could be one column. And then Daniel's fourth vision is in chapters 10 through 12. That's just one giant vision. And then there are some final explanations in chapter 12 that would need their own column. So in the end, it's a little subjective, but I would say it's basically... This, about the same thing 10 times. Not, not the same information, but it's about the same things in 10 different ways, including Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel's four visions, the repetitions of those things, the interpretations of those things, and then some explanations. We would need to add five more columns beyond these five. But then here's the other reason why this would need to get bigger. You see how on like the chest and arms of silver, when you get to the fourth and fifth columns, there's not anything? Well, when you get to chapter 8 and chapters 10 through 12, the box for like the third, the second kingdom and the third kingdom gets ginormous. Especially the third kingdom. Like wall size information. Um, about those kingdoms. And you start to get the really tricky question, which row do they go in? And that's actually why Christians disagree so much about the book of Daniel. Because if we took this out, it's five more columns, and we started to plug it in, we would say, oh, does that go in the third kingdom or the fourth kingdom? And it would get really tricky. Um, but that's the way it works. So I realize there's a chance that I'm overwhelming you by saying that or overwhelming myself by saying this, but not really. Understanding that this is kind of how it works for me has been so clarifying and settling because I've realized, oh, right, this is about the same thing, some part of the same thing. Which part? Is it about first kingdom, second kingdom, third kingdom, stone kingdom, What's this about? And it's going to give me some new information, some expanded information, some interpreted information about stuff I learned about before and about stuff I'm probably going to learn about later. And so it, I feel like the, the blur of Daniel became a lot less blurry for me when I grasped this. Now, again, it doesn't make it easy to know what it all means, but it makes it a lot easier for me to read it and feel like I know where I'm at on the map. Does that make sense? Yes, Scott. I'm not sure which one you're referring to. I've got a few I'm excited about. My two favorite commentaries on Daniel, there's one of each. So Paul Tanner has a new commentary published by Faith Life on Daniel that's great. Um, and that's more, uh, that's more uh, a little more scholarly, but he's still a good writer. That is, he's great. It takes all the, some of the, like Walvert and Pentecost and, you know, the names that you'd be familiar with and kind of just brings all that up to date in a really helpful way. So Tanner's my favorite current scholarly commentary, but my favorite um, like devotional commentary, and I would encourage everybody to buy this and just have it. It's by Dale Ralph Davis. The series is called The Bible Speaks Today, and his volume on Daniel is just devotionally dynamite. It is a commentary. It's not just like devotionals on Daniel, but it is such fun and 
challenging and encouraging reading. So Dale Ralph Davis, The Bible Speaks Today, that volume on Daniel would be a great thing to just have on your shelf um, for everybody. So, um, okay, so you can see that when I say pray for me, I'm not joking, because how do you preach one box or just one column? You know, if you're in the middle of Daniel 7, like we are right now, how do you work through these things without going back over everything that was about that before and going ahead into everything that's going to be about that later? It's why I say it's the hardest preaching challenge I've ever had, actually. And I think as, as simple as this will sound, what we, have to, what we have to settle ourselves in is that if God chose to talk about the same things so many times from so many angles, there have got to be some big themes here <laughs> that we ought to be able to pick up on, right? And they're going to be good. So that's really what we end up having to focus on what, what are the themes that we just see God coming back to over and over again? Even if I'm not sure I can figure out this detail about this and how this connects to that, when I put together the package, what are the big themes? And so from a preaching standpoint, we might be, we'll be here, and there might be like eight different themes we could talk about, but we're going to choose to talk about one that seems to kind of especially be emphasized there. And then we'll be in a different part of this and we'll talk about a different theme. We could have talked about it here, 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 or here. <laughs> but we can't talk about everything at once. So we'll talk about that theme in this part. So even the last two weeks, you've seen that's what we've done, right? Last week was about the comfort of judgment. And we really focused on the justice that the, fourth king, the fifth kingdom brings on the fourth kingdom and all of them. And this week was about Jesus and the king of the fifth kingdom. And that's what we'll continue to do. We'll have to pick something that God's communicating and focus on one of his themes and f rejoice in that theme, even when we can't maybe piece together all, all the details. So that's what we're up to in this series. Thanks for letting me explain that. All right. So any, uh, we have two minutes. Any further ado before we shift into a mini car church family meeting here? Anybody have a Final question about that? Yes, Terry. Do what? Can we do it? Can we put all the things on the wall? Yeah, for your own sake? Yeah, but I mean, like a group, like it would be too hard to do it with one person. Oh. Like, you know, just stick some pads on the wall. And do it. This sounds like Bible in depth, right? It sounds like a two hour Bible in depth. I think we've got to get through, I think we've got to get through it all first. And then. We need to buy a pad of those giant and get ladders and buy and buy a pad of those sticky notes and put them on the wall and do it. So I think that would be fun. Maybe a little frustrating because we'll be like, ah, oh, we never figured that out. Um, but but it would still be a lot of fun. So that's a great idea. Don't let me forget that. Let's do Bible in depth and put Daniel on the wall when we're done. Oh, that would be that would be ironic, right? Or something. <laughs> the handwriting on the wall. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, Taryn. That's a great idea. All right.